This is our Everest. Greetings, culture vultures. Hello, grapple fans. <laughs> and welcome back. Hello, scra- hello scrambling <laughs> fans. Um, welcome back to This Is Our Everest, where we watch old TV because it's there. And the old television programme that was there today, Junior Kickstart. Yeah. Now, um... let's talk about Kickstart, because Junior Kickstart is an offshoot of Kickstart. Yep. Kickstart began in 1979, presented by Dave Lee Travis. Yeah. So it's quite a good run, 13 years. On, on BBC One, it was often was shown around sort of the Christmas holidays. This particular episode aired on Christmas Eve, 1984. Yeah, it was a... It was a it's, I do a lot of this, especially with the programmes that I'm old enough to remember. Yeah. Um... I try to do it from memory rather than looking it all up. And I remembered this as a school holidays programme. Oh, absolutely. It's it's in the same sort of vein as uh, World's Strongest Man and things. It's yeah, yeah. a pointless competition because, you know, and why do you watch it? Because it's on TV. That's why you watch it. Yeah, I feel as though I should explain to younger listeners sort of how these TV schedules used to work. Which was that um, during term times in the olden days. Back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. BBC One and ITV showed schools programmes. And I'm sure that we will come back to do at least one or two schools programmes. There are definitely some some schools programmes in the list. Yeah. And these were programmes that were designed to be shown in schools. And you would be shuffled into a room. Yep. With a big television, usually in a wooden box. Yep. On stilts. And casters. And casters, yep. And the teacher would stand around for five minutes trying to get the damn thing to work. Yeah. And eventually you would sit there in silence and watch a boring television The program. teachers must have fucking loved that. Oh, Just Christ, yeah. Half an hour's peace. Bag break time. Yeah. And so, you know... Uh, but then during the holidays, of course, yeah, they had to fill it up with something else. And the BBC were, were pretty off. skilled at this. And so weekday mornings, uh, this would usually last, you know, obviously they wouldn't show schools programmes all day. But they would show schools programmes until about 12 o'clock. Uh, and during the holidays, the BBC would just chuck all of that out. And put on stuff for kids, and some of it would be a bit, a bit hokey. You get stuff like, you know, Laurel and Hardy, mm-hmm. uh, quite a lot of black and white stuff. Harold Lloyd used to be on quite a lot. Yeah, um, and old uh, Bugs Zorro. Bunny cartoons. Yeah. yeah, Zorro. That was a, that was one they yeah. always used to have on the Lone Ranger. Um, yeah, and but then they would. Make their own programs for it, and uh, for, the, for 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 this time, Junior Kickstart is one of these. Well, yeah, Kickstart was. I mean, I'm not quite sure of how senior and how desirable a competition BBC Kickstart actually was, but history shows that 
many of the top riders from the time and, and many people who went on to be top riders all appeared on Kickstart or Junior Kickstart. And it used to get like 13 million viewers. Which yeah, yeah, it was is popular. Probably you're looking at something like a 40 to 50% audience share there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's a, I mean, a lot of people all sitting down watching motorcycle trials riding, which is essentially what Kickstart was. Yeah, yeah. It's the problem with it is that it's a bit boring. Well, it's it's I wouldn't say that it was boring, but what it is definitely is is samey. It's repetitive. It's yeah. a bunch of kids. Yeah, you, know, you don't get invested in them. That's the thing. You don't they don't they they introduce these children. Um just like basically a list of names and where they're from. Yes. First to go then, Roger Higgs, age 14, from Camberley. Then Wayne Braybrook from Howarth in Yorkshire. He's 14. James Boggis from Worksop in Notts. He's 13. Jeff Wright from Rayleigh in Essex. He's also 13. Julian Ingham from Ramsbottom near Bury. He's 14. And Paul Edmondson, the oldest in this heat, 15, from Chasetown in the Midlands. They don't tell you anything about them. There's no backstory to any of them. It's just no. a bunch of kids riding motorbikes around this kind of hilly, muddy sort of surface yeah. Um, in the fastest time. And without that context, it becomes really difficult to get invested in any way in the entire thing. I'm like, why should I care which one of these kids goes fastest around this obstacle course? <laughs> you know, give me a reason to care. Yeah. In fact, you you probably start to care more about them the less well they do, because the slower they are around the course, the more time Peter Purvis has got to fill by, yeah. you know, you know, telling you whether or not they like football or trains. Or Previously of Blue Peter, your host is Peter Purvis, who is dressed like the absolute archetypal 1980s dad. Oh, absolutely! Uh, it's an it's amazingly on brand for that. Yeah. Every single one of my friends' dads dress like that. My dad dressed like that. He's wearing a kind of slightly thick knit. Is it so kind of cream and grey? Yeah, sort of coloured cream and grey. He, he basically looks like um, the passenger seat in a Austin Montego. Yes, yes. Well, you know, either the seat itself or the person sitting in it, <laughs> or both. Yeah, it's um, and then alongside him, they've jetted in an expert. Yeah, Jack Stites, who I've never heard of. No, I don't know. And Jack Stites. he's taking it all a bit too seriously. Well, <laughs> I googled him. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. Well, because I was like, you know, is this a real sport even? I don't know. It, it is a real sport. There, there are championships and uh, everything. Okay, so, right. Well, presumably he's done this sort of thing before, and you is would good assume at it. so. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I googled him, and the the only thing I really found uh, was his obituary. Oh, um, from a few years ago. But the obituary was actually one of those kind of like local newspaper ones that had been written by a member of his family or something. Mm. And they, interestingly, throughout, he, he, you know, they 
talk about his entire life in it. One thing that is mentioned in there is that they do very, very briefly mention his time on Junior Kickstart. Well, that's nice. Where, yeah, whereas they describe him as a colour announcer for BBC Sport. Well, and uh, well, my first thing there is BBC Sport. Really, you were saying before we went on air, as it were, yes, that, that you found it quite boring, um, mm-hmm. but not as boring as our, the previous program that we watched for this. Oh, mm-hmm. happy band! But I think the, the difference between Oh, happy band, which was scripted, and this is that it. Th- this is sport. It's sports entertainment. You know, there's no. Um, Mm, yeah you're not guaranteed you're not guaranteed excitement but you know if you've got a certain uh, level of intrigue and peril then uh, you you could you could find some excitement from that also of course i think a lot of people just watched it to see people fall off didn't they yeah i mean the big problem with the program is that these are kids on motorbikes yeah there's a finite level of skill that they've got and so in the end what it really comes down to is it's not so much a motorcycle trial it's a not foot putting your foot on the ground trial which is really difficult yeah because the winner is ultimately the person who puts their foot on the ground the least because you get a 20 second penalty every time you do it and they're basically all doing it yeah yeah Absolutely, it's difficult. I mean, the, those those men standing there with the yellow flags to indicate yeah. penalties. You just want one of the cyclists to just turn around and go, "Listen, mate, you fucking do this. Yeah. This is really hard." And I had two questions at the very outset of the program. Question one was, "How did all these kids get motorbikes?" <laughs> Well, I mean, presumably, they are the cream of the crop of of the competitive motor cross and motor trials. Well, one would assume so. I mean, I as, as I've, I looked, I've probably... I looked them all up, all of the, the, yeah. the contestants, and quite a number of them are still involved in yeah. uh, oh, motorcycle okay. trials. In fact. Yeah. Uh, Paul Edmondson, who was the eldest one in the elder category, he was 15. Okay, yeah. The senior category. Yeah, he is a one-time European and four-time world enduro champion. Okay, I'm quite impressed by that. Having played the arcade game Enduro Racer in the 1980s, I'm I'm moderately impressed by that. And in the junior category, there's another world champion, Stephen Colley, who was the reigning junior kickstart champion at the time went on to be a three-time world champion okay so fair enough. you know yeah. right. you, i think the reason they've got these bikes is because this is very much their um they don't play football they don't play rugby one yeah. of my I, don't, I mean the thing is that i you know i had a kind of split personality childhood as you're probably aware <laughs> uh, until i was 10 we lived on one of the less salubrious housing estates in north london and then when I was 10, uh, we were granted this opportunity to move to Hertfordshire, uh, where we moved into this village next to what is now, and was probably at the time, uh, one of the most affluent cities in the country. 
So I got to kind of experience both sides of it. And now as a person, I've come to realise as I've got older, I'm half of each. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm half kind of street urchin and half the sort of person who would invite you around for high tea. Of course, part of your upbringing took place uh, in a scrap metal yard. It Which did. Yes, makes yes. me wonder whether or not it, you ever watched Junior Kickstart because living in a scrap metal yard, the temptation must have been there to build your own obstacle course. And I, uh, I, um, I don't know when I had my first car in the yard. Maybe a year after this, or maybe a little bit later. Yeah, but the first car I drove was a car that came in a scrap. Um, there was an MOT place opposite my dad's yard. And uh, if cars failed their MOTs, they'd just push them over the road into my dad's yard and he'd give them the steel price for it. It was about 20 or 30 quid or something, you know. Yeah. A lot of the time, these cars still drove. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. Which actually meant that I ended up with about... I had about three or four of them. I only ever took one out on the road. God, blimey. But, um, Must have been but like my dad's, 10 block. Yeah, that was an Austin Maxi. That was a white Austin Maxi. <laughs> well, the good thing about Austin Maxis and, and all British Leyland cars is that none of them really ran for long enough for well, you I to think, cause any oh, damage well, the, to anybody. The thing about that Austin Maxi is that it did the absolute opposite of that, which was that when you parked it up, put it into neutral, switched the engine off and pulled the key out, the engine would keep running for about 30 seconds afterwards before disengaging. British Leyland cars. Were a... What a piece of work. My, the first one I had was a Triumph 1300, 1970 Triumph 1300, which was beautiful, which I think had only failed its MOT on like a technicality. And I do think that with the benefit of hindsight, I should have kept and treasured that car. But eventually it had to go. And then I had a, uh, I had a Datsun 120. Uh, which had like a black vinyl roof. It, was, oh. it looked like a banana. It was bright yellow and had a black vinyl roof. Um, and so, you know, I learned to drive these cars when I was very, very young. So I wasn't particularly impressed by kids with motorbikes. Or rather, I didn't really think about it because I had a car in my dad's yard. Mm. So, But now I look back and I think, well, hang on a minute. I lived in this quite well-off town. I didn't go to one of the worst schools. I went to probably one of the best of the comprehensives. And I didn't know anybody who had a motorbike. No. So who are these people with their bloody motorbikes? So that was my first question. How did all these kids get motorbikes? <laughs> my second question. Is this safe? Uh, well, I mean, motorsport is dangerous. And... Obviously, you can do yourself quite a mischief. Yeah. Not so much through the speed, although obviously the speed is part of it, but, you know, you're riding over a series of obstacles in a muddy field, aren't you? I mean, I wrote down what the course was like. You start. Yeah. You started off with the seesaw, and yeah. then there's the dragon's teeth, which is essentially yeah. two triangles of pallet wood. The bits where there are um, obstacles yeah. remind me very much of Crufts. There is something of a crossover, isn't there, between motorcycle trials, riding, and Crufts? Yeah, good Purvis. 
Well, absolutely. I'm certain that I'm certain that Purvis presented oh, Crofts on, on the BBC. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it would have been actually a, a quite a nice sort of crossover TV program. It would have probably garnered even more viewers. What dogs on mo- dogs on? Well, motorbikes. not not put the dogs on the motorbikes, but let the dogs have a go on the uh, motorbike course and see what they make of it, and then put the motorcycle riders on the. Crufts course. They're going to have some yeah, trouble make, going through that tunnel. Yeah, or 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 you could make the motorbike riders carry a dog on pillion. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm I'm into that. They do actually yeah. there is a motorcycle trials category for bikes with sidecars. So, you know, get Oh, I'd watch that. Get a couple of dogs in there. Yeah, I'd I'd definitely watch that. <laughs> but um yeah, but like I say, is this? I was watching it. Is this safe? I mean, all right, they've got crash helmets on. Being killed by a motorbike isn't difficult. No, but I think actually a lot of a lot of uh, accidents where people get killed by motorbikes involve other traffic, which is obviously something you don't need to worry about when you're going well, around a field. Yes, but if you fall off one and it lands on you, oh, it's heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can, you know, all you got to do is fall off at the wrong angle. Yeah, and you know you'll you'll be in a wheelchair for life or worse. Yeah, so there's all sorts of risks attendant to oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think it would or could get made today. I don't think you could take a bunch of teenage kids <laughs> out on their motorbikes on a really muddy hill and make them cycle up these really steep banks but and then, then again, down the other side. It's probably taking place now. They just don't put it on TV. Yeah, but I should imagine... Uh, I'm only guessing here. I should imagine it looks quite a bit different. Well, possibly. I would have thought that there would be considerably more safety stuff going on. Well, this young man is just eight years old. Richard Warner from Henley. He's tiny. I don't know what he's going to make of this course. It's got to be a good experience for him. He's raring to go. But he is so small. So's the bike. Well, he has, he's, he has uh, practiced yeah, he on this course. Out there, yes. I think he's. Uh, that could be called not a, not a proper attempt, I suppose. But uh, in practice, he fell off practically everything. Here he goes again. My favourite of all the riders that we saw was the youngest rider, Richard Warner, who was just eight years old. Eight years old and riding a motorbike. Um, and he was, as Peter Purvis laughingly points out, falling off everywhere in practice. Yeah, he was the one who fell off completely and ended up... Was he the one who ended up like kind of almost ducking out his mach- his motorbike yeah. stalled one of them the motorbike yeah. stalled, stalled and stopped working all together. I mean Peter Purvis was really laughing it up and it, oh it, yeah then, well you've got to then in it? between going well you know competing in this sort of thing can only be good for him it's like well possibly from yeah, a, no, from no, a competitive point of view but from a psychological point of view if he watches yeah. this back then this your commentary alone could well break him. It's very, very, very psychologically damaging. Yeah. I mean, you know, that I mean, obviously that's the highlight of the show is when he when when the kiddie falls off the motorbike several times. Well, over. I don't know. I think actually my highlight of the show comes right at the beginning. I mean literally right oh, at the, the beginning. What, the, the, the the theme music. No, just after the theme music, which is Be My Boogie Woogie Baby by Mr Walkie Talkie. There's a fact for you. Peter Purvis introduces 36 
of the finest young riders mm-hmm. and then says to them right come on then lads uh get off and have some practice yeah and they all take off apart from <laughs> there's four of them who can't get their bikes up yes and i i wanted to know whether or not that was the first elimination round it's like if you, if you can't figure it out to start the thing off i'll bring you back to my safety thing <laughs> Which is you've got 36 kids on motorbikes all just kind of just in a lump. They're not like, you know, spaced out in any way. Just all trying to get off at the same time. It's um, that that doesn't look safe. It would only take one of them going into the, you know, one of the rest of them. It just could have knocked the whole lot of them over. Dominoes. I wouldn't have my kids getting on motorbikes. No. Well... I mean, obviously they're too they're too young for it now, but I would. I mean, yeah, I would say that's probably good parenting practice to yeah. not let I mean, the children. I uh, mean, my 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 younger boy, Dorian, has got more than a hint of the daredevil about him. Oh god, he is the sort of kid who likes to launch himself off things. Oh Jesus! So uh, I, I could quite easily see him, you know. In two years' time, I mean, Daddy, can I have a motorbike? Evil can evil. Well, you know, my first answer to that would be, where the fucking hell am I going to put it? <laughs> it's for that. Have you got space for a motorbike? That's a good question. Actually, I have. We've got a really big garden, so there is actually room for a motorbike. There is, there is room for a motorbike, and yeah. actually, with that garden, you could probably build definitely a seesaw, um, some dragon's teeth. Yeah, the garden is actually the, the 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 one problem with the garden is that we've got here is that the the grass isn't very good. Oh, that's all right. Really, it really needs to be reseeded. Not not if you're not if you want it to be muddy. Yeah, no, it would actually be quite suitable. <laughs> Absolutely for a, for, a, for a junior kickstart course. I'm, of course, uh, the problem is there's no hills in it. No, you'd have to add some hills in. But I mean, if you yeah. dug a little ditch and then put some logs across it, you could have a log fan. Well, we've got a shed at the end of the garden, so you could have a plank of wood at yeah. an angle going up onto the roof of the shed, and they could finish <laughs> by having to launch themselves off the end of the shed. There's an alleyway down the back there, over the alleyway, and into next door's back garden. Yeah. There you go. Into next so, door's um, back garden, and next door yeah. aren't happy. That's that's no, then you have to no. beat beat a hasty retreat probably. I wanted to ask you actually um, if you had any uh, further suggestions for dangerous motorsports for kids that could be televised by me. I'm quite sold on your idea um, for having Junior Kickstart in your garden. Yeah, um, and and that shed jump sounds. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean, peachy. they could do that on BMXs, couldn't they? Well, absolutely. I mean, anything. I think anything that involves gravity, you know. So, luge, luge for kids. Or yeah, but that's not motorsport, is it? Well, that's not a motorsport. No. All right, it? then, jet bobsleigh for kids. Oh, that's fair enough. Okay, hovercraft racing. Hovercraft racing. I mean. Kids, is that a thing? Is that, has uh, that ever been a thing? It has. I don't, I I don't think even know. Occasionally, they have been um, raced, but obviously they're a little bit ungainly.
Do you know, a while back, I found some TV sports themes in a folder on my computer, and I listened to the lot, and yep. I realised what 2020 had been lacking, was that, that I hadn't heard the Wimbledon music, or, oh, yeah. Yeah. or, you know, any of the other key pieces of music that you would normally hear during the summer. I mean, the, the the extremely distinctive music that they use for the Wimbledon coverage. Well, yeah, I mean, we, I'm sure we've had this, um, this conversation on the football podcast, you know, in the past, that there was a period of time during which somebody in the BBC Sports Department just had an uncanny ear for being able to pull out pieces of music that sounded like the sport that they represented. It's true. You know, I'm talking about Soul Limbo, Booker T and the MGs for the cricket, and the both both bits for the tennis, because they had an opening one and a closing one, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the same for even the, the rugby had a piece of music which doesn't sound remotely appropriate for rugby, yet somehow or other is. Uh, and I don't know if they still do that, you know? I don't know if they're still labouring on with the same... Well, they the, certainly, the I, same... Don't, I don't think that they did it for junior kickstart. No, that's just got this kind of this kind of squelchy sort of synthy thing, hasn't it's a it? It's strange. Yeah. It's got no... The, the, whoever it was that paired drag racer with yeah. snooker which is the move of a genius yeah was nowhere near the the room where they decided on what the theme tune to kickstart would be yeah but i mean you know this wasn't this wasn't done by the sports department was it this was done by uh... no, i think nowadays it would be but uh, i think it's sort of it. It's 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 a weird program, and I think that's probably exactly it. You've probably hit the nail on the head there. It falls in between a crack, much like some of the children did when falling off their bikes. Yeah. Between light entertainment and sport, whereas act- yeah, actually, yeah. it's a sport program, and it should yeah, should I really mean, be this presented is... as one. Yeah, I mean, this is it's it's not quite at the level of it's a knockout, which is <laughs> almost almost light and completely light entertainment, but has still got this weirdly kind of competitive edge to it. Yeah, I mean, it's... you could keep sports statistics for it's a knockout, but people would give you the side eye forever if you did. Yeah. I mean, you okay? I'll put it this way. You could probably, probably slide an episode of Junior Kickstart into Grandstand. And I don't think that many people would probably notice. Oh, I think, yeah, it would It would definitely fit within uh, the confines of Grandstand. In a way that it's a knockout certainly wouldn't. <laughs> No, it's the no, Frankenstein. It's the Frankenstein costumes, really. That yeah. would be the the key yeah. giveaway. Yeah, I mean, we are definitely going to do either. It's a knockout or just on frontier. I think we're going to do both. both. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, because you know, and we'll come back to this when we get onto this subject. 
I know Stuart Hall's a wrong one. I, I know, I know, I get it. But I still love watching those. I well, still love yeah, watching those, think... even with him on them, because he was, and you have to kind of, you know, uh, you have to separate one from the other, don't you? You know, you have to separate the art from the artist in all in all of these things. It's true. And he was the perfect host for It's a Knockout. And when they when they bought it back at the end of the 1990s with, I think it was Keith Chegwin hosting it, <laughs> um, it didn't quite work, yeah. which is a real shame. You know, it needed Stuart Hall there. But at the same time, you know, it can't happen. Uh, he was, you know, he was a bad man. Is a bad That's man. True. I think he's still alive. Um, he's he's he, you know he he did some bad things, bad things, and uh, and and obviously you you have to acknowledge that. But uh, I I it doesn't when I put on <laughs> an episode of it's a knockout or just on frontier <laughs> that knowledge doesn't spoil it for me. You know no. I can still accept it on its own terms as it was at the time. And bear in mind here that when I was eight or nine, it's a knockout was one of my top three favourite TV programmes. Okay. But um, Junior Kickstart, I don't think I will go back to. Um, it was just too repetitive. I didn't get invested in it. Um, and again, you know, it got 10, 15 minutes into it. Um, the time was starting to drag. You know, I was, I was thinking, oh Christ, you know there's still another 15 minutes of this to go and it's just yeah. kids riding around a drab looking obstacle course occasionally Some, falling over yeah somewhere in provincial britain occasion i think it was all informed by the desire to see people fall over much like it's a knockout yeah yeah um, it's got that it's got that in common with it it's just slightly further towards there if you've got if you've got a scale with light entertainment at one end and sport at the other it's Further towards the sport end, but it's nowhere near right the way over there. Yeah, it's a bit of a confused program. Yeah, yeah, and it's a pity because I was actually looking forward to it. I have, for whatever reason, happy memories of it. And um, I think uh, I think I it's was... probably because it was always on at the Christmas holidays. Yeah, but I mean, I was looking forward to seeing it. I had I had happy me- I had memories of. Uh, of it being something that if it was on, I was like, I, I'd be pleased to see that it was on. You know, I'd want to watch it. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. And I was, like I say, I was looking forward to this one and it just, it never really got going for me. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, good, bad, lasting. Uh, Well, my favourite bit was when the four kids at the start couldn't get their bikes started. That was yeah, that's pretty fair. funny. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I don't think that there was anything bad in it. Um, what will live with me is probably Peter Purvis laughing it up all the way around as this poor eight-year-old kid who is a full three years younger than anyone else he's competing against. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's I hope fair. I hope I hope that it didn't do him long-term psychological damage. I think actually he might still be involved in. Trials riding. According to Google, he's, he had an elder brother who is definitely still involved oh, okay. in trials yeah. riding. It's fair, but it's fair. Um, you know, come on, give it, okay. cut him some slack. It wasn't anything bad because 
it was uh, uh, I suppose maybe the repetition but that's okay, inherent yeah. that's inherent yeah. in in that sort of thing I mean ski Sunday is repetitious as well yeah that's, that's it's uh, how I invested fucking, you are in the sport I guess I, I, I used to love ski Sunday well I would still go back and watch old episodes motorized of ski, Sunday, ski Sunday for kids there you go there's your yeah. answer so for me the good is obviously the schadenfreude that comes with um, uh, a, a child falling off a motorbike and it landing on top of them. Um, yeah. That's obviously... Desperately trying to hold it together in the public gaze. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine, I can imagine perfectly well the kind of fluster and panic that would come with, oh, fuck, it's stalled. Yeah, that you must know, have you been... You know that. what I mean? And, oh. that, and, and I can feel that, and I am, you know, all right, yeah, that's quite enjoyable. Uh. The bad, really quite specific, I can be about this, okay. actually. Um I got two two riders into the seniors section. First one was Wayne Braybrook, and the second one was good name by the way, James Boggis. Yeah. Um, and halfway through writing a very brief one-line review of their performance, I just stopped. <laughs> yeah, I I actually underwent a very similar experience. It's I've like got none of this down, matters. Yeah, I've got written down here, Wayne Braybrook, 124.9 seconds, very good. And then James Boggess, I've got 152 point, and it just stops. And underneath that, I've written, actually, kind of a bit boring. <laughs> and, uh, and and that repetitiveness is was a, was a big issue, a bigger issue than I was expecting it to be. The thing that will stay with me is the music... Because whilst it's a bit weird, it's not completely out of kilter with the sort of music that BBC would put on a show like that at the time. And it has got a kind of squelchy feel to it, which is quite pleasing. And I do know that it's one of those theme tunes which is quite fondly remembered. Yeah, it's got a sort of teetery feel to it. Yeah, so it does does stay with you. Um, But but ultimately... uh, like I say, I think... I mean, how many of these have we done now? I this can't is remember. the eighth. This is the eighth one that we've done. And, uh, hang on a minute. Let me just have a quick a quick check of the old the old spreadsheet. Old Vesuvius, as I call it. Um, <laughs> and this is the first thing that has really disappointed me. Okay. Um, I, I was... I, I was... I was more underwhelmed by Emu's broadcasting company than I thought I was going to be. But I think that that has the justification there that all I had of memories of it were a couple of flashing memories going through my head because I was six when that was on. By the time this was on, I was 12. And I can remember, you know, there were no surprises to me watching this. You know, it it did exactly what I remembered it doing. Uh... Uh, the dis um, the disappointment was for me watching it now was that actually this was quite a lot more boring than I was expecting it to be. But tomorrow we're going for the first time for uh, current affairs. Hardcore. Um, yeah, and so tomorrow we are doing a um, an episode of the BBC's fairly long running. It ran for fourteen years. Nightly. K 
current affairs kind of magazine show nationwide. Wow. Which um, I am, I'm, I'm eager for this one, actually. I'm eager for nationwide because I don't think I ever watched it when I was a kid, but it was always there because it was on every night. Yeah. And so, yeah, I am kind of looking forward to this because I think it will be interesting and I think it will be a diff. Uh, I think it will be different. I think that nationwide could be sufficiently weird and idiosyncratic to my sophisticated twenty first century tastes. <laughs> that this could be something that 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 actually really does divert me. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, in a in a, it could well be in a weird and horrified way. Yeah, that's but, um, possible. Yeah, but. It will be something a little bit different to anything that we've done before in our previous uh, our previous uh, eight episodes. So um, yeah, looking forward to looking forward to that one. Yeah, that's it. That'll do us, I reckon. Yep, we're 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 done. We'll be back again same time tomorrow. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>